Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, with my co-host, Ed Birdsell. And we are joined by Jake Simone of the Basement Talk Podcast and the Jetsway Podcast. How are you doing, Jake? Nothing much, man. This is uh, one of my homes and uh, just always a pleasure to be here with my friend, Bird, as well as you, Adam. Always good uh, catching up with you and uh, catching on a couple pods here and there. And uh, this is a, a special one for me. Love the NFL draft. Me and uh, me and Bird have gone back and forth on the Basement Talk podcast quite a bit. Um, we actually agreed a, a good amount, I would say, this uh, draft process. That sounds so, so unlike you. No, we, we, we agreed. We agreed. I mean, um, there were a few disagreements that we had. I, I, I thought Jake was getting ready to rip my head off today when I had uh, Caleb Farley at number five, but I was able yeah, to justify that is, it. That, that to me was the the biggest head scratcher of the bunch, but we usually debate quarterbacks pretty heavily. Um, I got to say, and this year we <laughs> this were true. <laughs> this year we were on the same, even last year, a little bit, we both were pretty high on Justin Herbert, whereas most people weren't. It's true. Um, maybe you were a little higher on Tua last year. Um, I wasn't I liked very Herbert high on more, but I like, I did like Tua. I, I was very I high on Tua was going to go, was going to go before Herbert. Right. I was very high on Jalen hurts last year, a lot higher than most people. So way higher than me. Yeah, yep. I love. I thought Jalen Hurts to me was the third best quarterback in the draft. Like I, I liked him more than Tua, to be honest with you. So, um, and if only the Philadelphia Eagles felt the same way, I think they will. They'll come around. They just want him to earn his stripes with the new coach. But yeah, happy to be here, Adam. All right, cool. So, uh, like Jake alluded to, we're doing our mock draft. Hallelujah! An annual tradition, unlike any other. So it really uh, is. I mean, Adam, how many years have we been doing a mock draft together? Is this is this five? I think this is either five or four. It's very I touching. This, I think it's four because I think we started in mm, – actually, this is three because I think we did – Three. Three or four because we did one for the 2018 draft. That was the, that was the biggie with Benny. Yeah, I remember that one. How could, how could anybody forget that one? Do we even do one for? Tw- I think we did one for we did one for 2019. I do remember yeah, we that. Did. We, we did, did one and then we did one last year. Yeah, so this is four. This is four. The two and a half hour monstrosity. Happy four year anniversary, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> now you just went and made it weird. Jesus, get off your knees. <laughs> God. <sighs> Can't even say phrasing for that because the phrasing is implied. Absolutely 100% implied. Uh, anyway, so yes, we're doing our mock draft. Uh, this is going to be split into two parts. You're going to be getting this part now, obviously. And the and it's going to be the first half, 1 to 15. And then the second half of the mock draft will be hosted by Bird and Jake and me also. But uh, it will be released at a later date. It's going to be 16 to 32. I saw that. You laughing? Yeah, yeah. Bird, Jake, and I. Just the 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 grammar fiend in me just was like, oh. Bird, Jake, and I. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> no problem. Me, Bird, and Jake. Well, I I never say that. Usually, I'm very grammatically correct. But I guess the one time that I slipped, you were ready to choke me. Me, Bird, me, Bird, and Jake is way worse than Bird, Jake, and me. It sounds like a boy band. It does. Yeah, the, re- the reincarnation of the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I wonder if we were a boy band, I wonder which one of us would sing because it wouldn't be me. 
Well, I guess all of us would sing, but probably, I w- probably me because I'm the loudest. Yeah, yeah. You strike me as like a like a keyboard kind of guy, Adam. I would, I would, <laughs> you know. It's funny that you say that because I think I was gonna say the exact same thing. I was like, I'll just sit in, sit in the background playing the keyboard, just chilling out. I just kind of have like an Elton John, Billy Joel kind of vibe to him. Yeah, I mean, well, Billy Joel didn't really. Yeah, yeah, he's the piano man after all. John, yeah. I was, I was about to say, uh, Adam. <laughs> Adam, yeah, play me a song. He is the. <laughs> Doom. Long Island's own. But anyway, enough about that. We could talk about uh, which instruments or not instruments we would play if we were in a boy band at a later date, because we have we have a mock draft to do. Trevor and, Lawrence would be great in a, in a boy band. He could he could be our fourth. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, it'd be great. Justin Fields would probably be like the, uh, he'd probably be, I see Justin Fields as like, uh, as like a DJ kind of guy. I, I see him as a drummer. Oh, that's a good shout. Yeah. That's a good shout. But boy bands don't like actually have, boy bands don't really have inst- people play like actual instruments though. That's the no. thing. No. No, uh. Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chavez, we're not playing uh, instruments in uh, in NSYNC, the greatest boy band of all time. Anybody who says otherwise, they can come at me. Technically, the Beatles are the greatest boy band of all time. Oh, come on, Adam. That's not a boy band. That's not a boy band, though. No. Well, Absolutely they were, not. Like, we're well, talking, like, One Direction. When they started, yes. they were when they started, they were a boy band. Okay, but most people aren't gonna just gonna go on record and say, "Oh yeah, the Beatles are the greatest boy band of all time." That's why I said Backstreet Boys are playing Jones Beach this summer, if I'm not mistaken. They are. That's why I said technically. But yeah, Jones Jones Beach is a great uh, is a great concert venue. Backstreet's back. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into this draft. First two picks are easy. Um, Basically, the way that we're doing this is that we're each going to take. A we're each gonna go sequentially and pick as if we were as if we were the, those teams. So Bird has pick one, Jake has pick two, I have pick three, and so on and so forth. So Bird, why don't you start us off? The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Yep, Urban Meyer gets his guy to build his project around in Jacksonville, and is going to be Trevor Lawrence going number one overall to the Jaguars. I mean the most probably the most hyped quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And now Jacksonville gets their, uh, their guy for the foreseeable future. I mean, everyone knows at this point, just how good Trevor Lawrence is 86 wins for him since high school, only four losses on his resume uh, and including an absolutely unbelievable spotless, almost resume at Clemson. And now he takes his talents to the big time to the National Football League, and he is going to be, end up with Jacksonville and the Jaguars. So number one overall, it is Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. I don't think I have – there are any objections to that. Wow, how unexpected. Uh, Chris Sims would tell you otherwise. Yeah, Chris Sims, Chris, Chris, like... Sims, Chris Sims would say otherwise, yes, but Chris Sims is going to be wrong on this one. I love Chris I don't know. He's been He's been right. You can't you can't doubt the track record. There's not a shot that uh, Jacksonville listen, is taking Zach Wilson. There's oh, no, not no, a no, shot. No, no, no. no, Chris Sims said that, but there, there's a shot that Trevor Lawrence isn't the best quarterback in this draft class. I'll tell you that much. Sure, there's a shot. 
there's a shot that, that, a good that, shot. that he's not. I would I would take Trevor over uh, over Zach, but I, still, I, I think Zach could be really good. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, but the Jets just have to avoid being the Jets. Easier said. Yeah, but what, what does that have to do Thank with Robert? You, Sol- what does that have to do with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas? Though were they here for no, 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 the other guys that the Jets have drafted? No, it's very fair. That's very fair. I'm sorry, I'm sensitive. You know, I I I, I, I could see that. I could see that, but just the the proven track record of. Uh, of the guys Jets that and, of guys that are not in the building right now and that are very highly touted in their respective roles. Yeah, but I will also say that I've Rob seen this Sala, movie before. Jim. Rob Sala and uh, and Mike Lafleur are way better than what they had with Rex Ryan, with Sanchez, oh. and Adam Gaze with Sam Darnold. So that now, is Gaze something. Gaze Darnold, you could say, but Rex and Sanchez were a game away from the Super Bowl. I won't tolerate that slander. That, that's true. I am, I am talking yeah, to, twice, to Rex twice, Ryan's Adam. biggest fan. I forgot about that. They were, yes. a down, they were a down away from the Super Bowl. They were yeah. one yard away from the Super if Bowl. If it's going to go like Sanchez and Rex, uh, where do I sign on the dotted line? Jets playing competitive football in the month of December and then winning two road playoff games against Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Listen, it's not winning the ultimate Super Bowl, but I'll, so, we're we're ways from that uh, right now. But, yeah, we can get back there. Yeah, if Zach Wilson – right well, obviously it's not possible – but if Zach Wilson could do something like beat Tom Brady and Peyton Manning on the road in the playoffs in back-to-back weeks, I would be pretty happy about that. So, Adam, you uh, just pretty much brought the second pick to the podium for me. Yes. You guys are taking Zach Wilson, and uh, <laughs> it brings a real tear to my eye because this guy, I you could ask Bird, I told him before the Clemson playoff game uh, for Justin Fields, I told the masses, said, Yes, Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback of this draft. Like, hands down, no, not a lot of people dug into the BYU tape. And then once they did, for the most part, they started to share the same sentiment. And it, I love Zach Wilson. Like, I've, I've always been a Wilson guy. This isn't just because the Jets are drafting him. This was the guy I wanted all along, even when it looked like Justin Fields. To me, um, he's a lot closer to Trevor Lawrence than he is the rest of the quarterbacks in the pack. And, uh, I just hope the Jets just do right by him, unlike uh, we didn't do with Sam Darnold. And I, I have good confidence in Joe Douglas uh, as opposed to Mike McCagman. So I think we're in good hands there. And, uh, yeah, get, I love me some Zach Wilson. Yeah, you're not going to get – you're not going to hear anything out of me. I am a big fan of this pick. Nope. Jets need a quarterback. They cleared the way when they traded to Sam Darnold. Thank and- God. It's going to be Zachy Poo and Corey Davis season at Life Stadium. Jet up. I mean, the best part about this pick is that the Jets, unlike with Sam Darnold, the Jets didn't have to uh, trade draft capital to to get to get here. They they did it all by themselves. They did it naturally. <laughs> the tanking was within them all along. They did it by just being the Jets. And Adam Gase. And Adam Gase. And Adam Gase. Yes, that's true. Oh, God. The David Fisdale of the NFL. You are kidding. There's probably a much better comparison that I'm not thinking of right now. But, yes, that's a pretty good one. Richie Kotite's a good one, too. Yeah. That's uh, a very good one. That's, a, that's another very good one. Anyway, uh, moving on to a team that did trade up, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. This is, uh, you know, the, the first two picks, pretty non-controversial. This one can go in multiple different directions because you you would think that the 49ers are drafting a quarterback. You would hope that the 49ers are drafting a quarterback for their sake, just because that they traded 
the haul of picks that they did to move up to number three. But the real question for them is which quarterback. And I think that they're going to draft somebody like Justin Fields at, at three where he, his stock has fluctuated probably the most out of every, out of all these quarterbacks aside from maybe Zach Wilson, where people either had him as number two, right behind Trevor Lawrence. People had him going in the back end of the first round after Trey Lance and Mac Jones, after kind of just like having a meh season and also being injured. But then after the playoff game against Clemson, he shot right back up on people's draft boards. I just think that Justin Fields has the, the talent, the leadership, the, just the overall skill and NFL player. Like he's NFL ready. That's what it is in a long winded way that I was about to say he is NFL ready. And I think that Justin Fields is the pick at three. Jake, I'll let you have that one. I know, I know what you want to say. So you can, yeah, you can go well, ahead and say. I also know what you want to say. It's nothing against Justin Fields, but to me, the 49ers scream Mac Jones. And I personally have, and I know Bird does as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? You're correct. I think Mac Jones is a better prospect right now than Justin Fields is. Granted, people, what people see is, oh, he's fast. He has a higher ceiling and, you know, he's worth trading up for not when you're a team that already has a super bowl ready roster in my opinion which is the san francisco 49ers and kyle shanahan is just looking for somebody to run the offense and execute the offense and he's a schemer and he wants to be the star as where if he had justin fields or even a trey lance he doesn't want somebody going off script and ruining what he thinks is a perfect play it's like hey i called the play execute it it's gonna work whereas justin fields oh first read isn't there. I'm just going to run around and do all this other stuff. And the other progressions just, they just don't matter. And that, that's where I think it's Mac Jones and Mac Jones, the disrespect I see from him uh, at, uh, about him from national media and whatnot. Don't drive drunk. Obviously that's indefensible there, but in terms of being pro ready with pro style concepts and his offense at Alabama, especially with Steve Sarkeesian as his offensive coordinator, who's, a Shanahan disciple, a lot of Shanahan-like concepts in his offense at Alabama, throwing with anticipation, just the overall accuracy. And he's a little sneaky mobile. He's not the most mobile guy ever, but he's not like freaking Phillip Rivers back there. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not just going to stand there and take a beating. I, I think this is, he, to, to me, Mac Jones and Matt Ryan are just two peas in a pod. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I agree with you, Jake. And I think, you know, Mac Jones's mobility outside the pocket and when he's able to get into open space, I think it's actually one of the most underrated parts of his game. And it was something that really popped off on film when he gets out outside and he's running for his life. You know, he actually is very, very good with getting positive plays. He's not someone that's just going to be like, okay, outside the pocket, Eli Manning going to look like a stick out there. You know, he's actually pretty mobile for, for someone that's, that that's his size, but he is just, he just screams the typical, Kyle Shanahan kind of quarterback guy that will make all the throws. You're not really necessarily worried about his mechanics or anything like that. It's very, very, very sound. And Jake made a great point when he said that I am 100% sure that Kyle Shanahan and uh, Steve Sarkeesian have definitely had one or two or probably a hundred different conversations about Mac Jones. And I, I for me, uh, that's the uh, that's the pick that um, 
that I have, at least in my own personal mock, is that I have uh, Mac Jones there. But Justin oh. Fields is, is not a is not a bad shout. Yeah, I mean Justin Fields. People think he's a running quarterback, but he's not really like a running quarterback. He's a he's a kind of mobile quarterback. He's a he's a kind of mobile quarterback. He's like Russell yeah, he's Wilson. A, uh, he's a lot faster than Russell Wilson. No, he's a lot faster than Russell Wilson. I think he, he reminds me more of. I mean, I think I said this on the Basement Talk podcast. I may have said this on the fantasy show. Fantasy show. I have no idea, but he reminds me of like a Cam Newton. Yeah, definitely not Lamar Jackson. You see Lamar Jackson's throwing motion compared to Justin Fields. Lamar oh, Jackson is that nice, quick flick of the rest. Um, and it was Cam Newton. You kind of see that long, hitchy, loopy release. Mm-hmm. That's a big concern. And obviously, space in the pocket. We talked about it more on the basement talk podcast is that's where fields gets into trouble with his decision making and that overstride and his release leads to bad mechanics that's bad mechanics lead to inaccuracy inaccuracy and hesitation lead to interceptions i i think jake you were the one that 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 had said to me that at justin fields's pro day they actually had one of his coaches standing in front of him to make sure that he wouldn't overstride i mean yeah. that's something that at the next level you you've got you have got to clean that up otherwise in college you can get away with that but in the nfl you you simply can't yeah to me that pro day was a very robotic pro day where he just wanted to complete passes you didn't really see that ball pop out of his hands where it was very like okay okay i want to complete this pass all right i completed it i didn't let it go i didn't throw my fastest fastball but i didn't overstride you know my mechanics were in check okay great you can't think about that in the nfl in the heat of competition like no, there's no one standing in front of you. There's no one to remind you to stay in check. Like it is full force, full adrenaline. And that's why I think Justin Fields needs a lot of work because how do you get better at something? You have to practice it. So it becomes muscle memory and you can't really be doing that. If you're out there getting ready to win a game on Sundays, that's why I think he, he's not ready to play for me right away. I think he needs a, not a full, maybe not a full NFL season, but I would say about half a season and maybe throw him out there and see what he's got towards the end of the year. But no way. Week one with the team ready to win the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan's offense, he's going to be his head's going to be spinning, in my opinion. So definitely more Mac Jones for there. Landing spot is a big, big, big deal with with Fields. I would love to see him in that Denver Bronco offense. I think that'd be the perfect too. fit. Oh yeah, God, he, could, he, he, he goes he to could, Detroit. He's screwed. He would get killed in Denver. Um, I think they got they got they got a couple of pieces. They have the they they have pieces. Yeah, I think I think Fields would actually utilize Judy a whole lot more than than Locke would. I mean, we I think we all can agree he goes to Detroit. He's he's just he's completely he's he's dead. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in New England it might be a problem for him. I don't know. Probably, I, probably because it's like the same kind of quarterback that they have. And I would think that if anything, Bill's going to want to go for something different on top of what they have. Mac with, Jones is yeah. what he Mac wants. Jones. Mac he's Jones is what him. he wants. Yeah, but he's not going to get it. Yeah, well, I mean, who better to help fix Justin Fields' mechanics than Kyle Shanahan? And also, Kyle Shanahan's offense is notoriously complex, and you'd think that Justin Fields would sit for for a while, learning the offense and learning the concepts. Yeah, but I would yes, think I would think yeah. at number three, you want someone that's ready to play now. If well, you're, you have if Jimmy you're the 49ers. G, but if, if they want to move off Jimmy G, though, they want to recoup yeah. some of the draft picks they traded away for Jimmy G. Whereas if you have yes. Mac Jones, who's pro ready, you don't have to worry about you know, cleaning him up. He's ready to go right now. Whereas if you have Justin Fields, you have to go, ah, I don't know if he's ready or not. So 
do we want to move off Garoppolo? Then you have that distraction. Whereas Mac Jones, he steps in right away. He's the guy you trade yep. Jimmy G right away, or uh, you want to keep Jimmy G's training camp and then kind of do what, what the Vikings did with, uh, or the Eagles did with Sam Bradford, where they traded him to the Vikings. There you go. I think that's a simple solution if worst case scenario. I agree with you, Jake. I want everyone to get off of this Jimmy Garoppolo pipe dream that they still have. Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. He's never He's been good. He's done. He's done. Let's just move on from this Jimmy Garoppolo pipe dream that people have. All right, then. So, Bird, you're up again. All right, number four, the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I would say, first of all, this is a prime trade-down spot. I don't think Atlanta does make this pick. I want to just you know preface that. I think if there's a QB needy team that wants to trade up, maybe the Patriots would look to trade up and potentially take a quarterback at number four. That could be a definite opportunity for them. Maybe if the Broncos want to get their guy and leapfrog the Lions, that could be an opportunity as well. But I think bottom line, I think that the Falcons are probably going to trade this pick. Um, but for the sake of this exercise, where there are no trades in this mock, uh, I have the Atlanta Falcons taking Kyle Pitts. And Arthur Smith has been on record in saying that Matt Ryan is his guy for now. So what is the best way to at least give some sort of longevity to Matt Ryan and his NFL career? That is by giving him another weapon. You put Kyle Pitts on that offense with Calvin Ridley, with Julio Jones, with even with Hayden Hurst, who I think is a very serviceable tight end. I think you can definitely use him in two tight end sets, which we did see a lot of in Tennessee last year with Anthony Ferkser, Johnny Smith, and even Michael Pruitt when Johnny Smith wasn't available. Arthur Smith liked to run a lot of two tight end concepts into his offense. And I think that's where Kyle Pitts comes in. And you have to also consider that I mean Kyle Pitts if all the hype around him is true which I believe it is I think he's just a unicorn at the tight end position I mean you don't get a tight end that is six four six five and can run a four two something 40 I mean that ju- that's just unheard of you can line him up at tight end you can line him up on the outside at wide receiver if you want to I mean th- this is just a kid that can do it all ask him to do anything he'll do it and you know, that's why I think he's a very valuable piece for the Falcons if they can uh, if they can add him at number four. So uh, while I think Atlanta trades this pick, I am going with Kyle Pitts here. That's scary in a good way, that pick. Because, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to me, I definitely like the two tight end analogy that you brought up. You saw in Baltimore this year that they really missed Hayden Hurst. They missed him. Mark Andrews was asked to do a little bit more, and he just was not the same player that he was the year before with Hayden Hurst. So Hayden Hurst kind of slides back into the role he was with Mark Andrews, and you kind of let um, Kyle Pitts be that Mark Andrews type of player for the Falcons. Obviously, Arthur Smith loves his tight ends. Again, I think they trade out here. Um, The quarterback's on the board, probably not taking Mac Jones, who's ready to play right away. You have Matt Ryan under contract for the next two years. Next year, it's really hard to get out of that contract. And I think you don't take Trey Lance here because – Trey Lance, if you sit him for this year and next year, that's three years of not playing football. Like That's a really long time, like even a year. That's one of my big concerns with Lance um, coming out is just the overall wait period. You know, two years without playing ball, if you're not going to play him this year, like it's a long ass time. That's a lot, you know. So, yeah, if they stay here, Kyle Pitts, absolutely. Now, I would say. If you had asked me to go a different different avenue with the Falcons, there's another spot that I could see them going. I would think potentially a corner could be could be here. I think this is like a surprise spot where we could potentially see a corner 
go off the board, maybe a Sertan or even a Caleb Farley if the Falcons want to go in that direction. I think I think just with the NFL, with, with the way that this league is going to, with just this big-time, big-time emphasis on passing and quarterbacks being the focal points of the offense, just moving away from the running game of sorts, you need two number one corners if you're going to be a deep playoff team and, and potentially a Super Bowl team. And I think, you know, getting one of the top corners could be could be an area here. It would be considered a reach in my book, but that could be a different avenue that I see Atlanta going. But for the sake of this exercise, I'm going with uh, with Kyle Pitts out of uh, Florida for the Falcons. Help Matt Ryan out. You have him under yep. contract. Absolutely. Help Absolutely. Help him out. Give him another weapon. And I, I would bet that, that Kyle Pitts is going to be loved by Matt Ryan. And and for the sake, because this is the fantasy show, so I will say this. Uh, uh, Kyle Pitts immediately, if he goes to Atlanta, would be a top 12 tight end for me. Oh, that would yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Top 10. Top, top like seven, I would say. I would, I, yeah. You could make a case. You could, you could make the argument for sure. Yeah. Even Abby agrees. E- even Abby does agree. Yes. Abby does, Abby stands Kyle Pitts. Good. Yeah. All right. Jake, you are up on the clock. All right. So this one. It's I'm probably wrong, but I think this is what's what could happen. I think Joe Burrow's going to pound the table for his boy Jamar Chase. And maybe the Bengals management does give in at the last minute. All signs are pointing towards Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon. But maybe Burrow gets his way and gets his boy Chase. When have we ever seen Cincinnati do something that makes sense? Not, the answer is never. <laughs> the answer is never. Oh, so they yeah. need to protect Burrow. So it's very obvious who the pick should be here. So typical Cincinnati fashion, they do the wrong thing and they take the receiver when they should be protecting their guy, but maybe Burrow gets his way. But um, again, all signs are pointing towards Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, but Burrow and Chase reunite in this mock. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Me I would love it. I want Burrow to get protected and I want Joe Mixon to have some damn holes to run through so we can stop getting burned by him. And Giovanni Bernard is out of town to, can Joe Mixon please be a three-down running back? Please, no, you, you got to get God. You got to get that Rodney Harrison experience. Oh God, God! Just give give Joe Mixon every opportunity in the world, please, 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 please. please. But the smart move is is uh, Penny Sewell. But if uh, I I mean I agree with Jake. If the Bengals were to go with Jamar Chase, would anybody be surprised? No. no. No, no one would be fucking surprised. I mean, that would be just confirmation that Zach Taylor just does not know what the fuck he's doing. As if we needed any more confirmation that the Bengals are just an absolute fucking circus. Yeah, picking what some people think is like either the second or third best receiver over Devontae Smith and Jalen. Oh, he's 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 my number one receiver, and it's it's not close. It would have been my number one last year if he came out. Yep, I agree. Some I'm saying some people. But yeah, well, some people are crazy. Some people yeah, are crazy. Yeah, not exactly. me. But um, Jamar Chase is my number one receiver in this draft, and it's it's like Jamar Chase is here. It's like fifty feet of shit, and then it's just everybody else. Well, I'm going to I'm up with the Miami Dolphins here, and I'm going to pick another receiver. We're out, we're on a bit of a receiver run. I'm going to pick the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Going to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the Miami Dolphins don't really have too many holes on their team. I would say defense is is a big hole, but you can't really pick defense this early. Um, it's not. And um, 
So Devontae Smith, Tua Tagovailoa gets another weapon. And yeah, I think re- receiver is the most logical spot. Yeah, I, I disagree. If I, I disagree, if Chase is off the board, man, and Penay Sewell is still there, they still have a little bit of a hole at right tackle. I, I think you have to take Penay Sewell, best player available. You have two first round picks. I think he's a little too good to pass up. Not my number one tackle, but the consensus number one tackle. If they went Rashawn Slater, I wouldn't bat an eye, but um, yeah. I think you go tackle here. I really do. I think like a dark horse pick for this spot, and I know some teams have him higher on their board than others, is Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. I've heard I've heard some chatter about it, not not a whole lot, but I think just with when you're talking about need versus some guys that can be in the area, um, if if Penny Sewell is off the board at this spot, then the Dolphins they could be candidates to trade back unless they're just they just love one of the receivers here. They take Chase, I would think. I would think they would take Chase as well, um, but I think Parsons could be could he could be a sneaky sort of hmm yeah. candidate for the spot. But I, I would think it's between it's whoever the Bengals don't take probably. So if it's if the Bengals take Chase, it's Sewell. And if the Bengals take Sewell, it's probably Chase. Yeah, I mean, Mike Parsons, tune into part two to see where Micah Parsons lands. And that is saying enough. Yep. It, it, it most certainly is. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with what both of you, with both, with what both of you say, but uh, anyway, bird, you're next. Detroit Lions number seven. Uh, we are deciding to go with Jalen Waddle, the, the run on receiver continues here and uh, yeah I mean Jalen Waddle probably is the prototypical definition of big play receiver uh, in in this draft I mean I've, I've seen some people try and compare him to Tyreek Hill I don't know if I love that comparison too much but if you look at his 20 career touchdowns that he had at Alabama 11 of them were for 50 plus yards so he just has big play written all over him. I love what he's able to do at the line of scrimmage. He's able to just completely sell the double move, which I think, you know, if you, if you have someone that can run a sophisticated route tree, like what they're able to do at Alabama with these receivers, I say it all the time that there are just three guarantees in life, death taxes and Alabama wide receivers coming out of Nick Saban's womb, ready to play. And I think this is just no different here with someone like Jalen Waddle. And uh, I know, Jake, for the longest time, and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I I believe uh, Jake had, was one that had said to me that he always thought that e- even with the season that Devonta Smith had last year, I believe Jake had said to me that he thought that Waddle translated better at the next level than Smith did. Am I correct? You are most certainly correct, my friend. And that's no slight on Devonta Smith, who I love. I think plays a lot bigger than what he is. But I'm sorry, you cannot teach that speed. Like, it's true. Well, it's unfortunate and, and that Waller got injured trade. last year. Yeah, yeah that's that. why I think medicals could push him back a little bit. Um, like right here, I think this could be prime Micah Parsons territory. Um, being Dan, Qu- he kind of screams Dan Quinn kind of guy, but maybe they do support Jared Goff with a weapon. Um, they don't really have much. I mean, their number one receiver right now is Tyrell Williams. So I could see Ooh. it, but maybe that could be more of like a day two, day three kind of thing for them. So more so in the second round, because this is a really deep receiver class like we outlined. Yeah, and they need a receiver. They they just they need a receiver desperately. desperately. Yep. I mean, the number one receiver right now is Prashad Perryman. Like, oof. No, yeah. They, 
Jared Goff, I, Jared Goff is in a really bad situation as it is. They need to at least give him a chance. Otherwise, Jared Goff is, is oof. Jesus. He, he could be really, really in trouble if, uh, if, if they don't. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But uh, yeah, Jalen Waddle, number seven to, uh, to Detroit. All right, Mr. Simone with the Carolina right. Panthers. So uh, Carolina Panthers, I sprint this up to the draft podium. <laughs> Darnold and, and Panay Sewell were just meant to be. Um, maybe this was the – a lot of people wanted the Jets to do this. So, um, yeah, so I sprint this up there. You have Panay Sewell and Taylor Moten as your bookend tackles for the foreseeable future. Yeah, sign me up. And if Darnold doesn't succeed with those two as protecting him on each side against the ferocious edge rushers and two really good wide receivers – uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey at the backfield, Darnold's toast. There's no more excuses left for him. So I give him every uh, chance to succeed and make my investment pay off with him. Two tackles that can get up the field, two tackles that are great in blocking, and they could do Sam Darnold's wonders in uh, in Carolina if that's how it, if that's how it pans out. It'll bring a tear to my eye. I'm very, very happy for the guy. It w- wouldn't be the first quarterback we've seen succeed after uh, getting out of the crosshairs of uh, Adam Gaze. Nope. And hopefully it'll be the last because I hope Adam hopefully Gaze Hopefully never... it will be the last. I hope Adam Gaze doesn't get another coaching job in the NFL. Oh, he's got friends in high places. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me if we see him no. as an offensive coordinator somewhere. Listen, Jay Cutler got smoke got caught smoking weed one time and now you're gonna make jokes about him about hey, Adam hey, Gaze hey, having hey, friends hey, in hey, high hey, places. Hey. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Jay Cutler is a wonderful human being. I will not accept slander of Jay Cutler on this or any podcast. All right. Have you seen the picture of him on his balcony? That's like the modern day Mona Lisa. It's a bit much. It's the truth. Anyway, the the Denver Broncos. I mean, if we had a count of how many of the amount of words that I repeat, in every podcast, I think the word anyway would be so high on the list. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. and, and of course, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, bird. <laughs> you haven't used that one before. I like it, though. No. Now we just don't even want to say it. But uh, the Denver Broncos at number nine. You could just say shut the fuck up, bird. Shut the fuck up, bird. Maybe Denver maybe Broncos number nine. It, it just sounds much better. Shut the fuck up, bird. The Denver Broncos at number nine. Perfect. There you go. Select, Great transition, Adam. Selected Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. And this is kind of an interesting pick because Mac Jones is still here. And, um, I mean, it's basically going to be – if Mac Jones goes at three – then it seemed then it would basically be between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. But for the purposes of this mock draft, since Justin Fields went at three, it feels like I'm going to be drafting all these quarterbacks, but uh, Trey Lance going to Denver at number nine, it should be interesting to see how he looks, especially after not really playing much or at all last year with North, with North Dakota state. So uh, that's going to be fascinating. But the Broncos have their quarterback. Maybe. I mean, I'll have no objections if it's Lance. I'll have no objections if it's Fields. Because I think the Broncos, this is a place that 
I think has a lot of untapped potential. The problem is, is that who they have right now, Drew Locke is just not an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. He's so a solid I, backup. I, yeah, he's a solid backup, but he's not a guy you're building your franchise around. Yeah, hard to disagree with all that. Don't love the fit for uh, – I think it could be worse for Trey Lance. I mean, him throwing that altitude would be fun. Just Vic Fangio developing a rookie quarterback. I mean, I think I think I am – at least I know with Jake, I'm much higher on uh, on Trey Lance than than he is. I mean, Adam, how do you uh, – personally, how do you feel about Lance? Um, I think he's pretty good. Um, I feel like he – when he shot up draft boards like halfway through the season, I think it, it was, it, it comes in waves because, you know, you had, it was Trevor Lawrence and then it was fields. And then you had Wilson shooting up and then, uh, and then Lance and then Mac Jones. But I think that Trey Lance, you know, is kind of a similar model or kind of a similar, um, I guess model, kind of a similar model to Wilson. He's like a kind of a, a smaller quarterback from a smaller market, mar- not market, but smaller college. But uh, North Dakota State has a good history with quarterbacks as well. I, I, disagree. I, I disagree. I don't think and, I don't think Zach yeah. Wilson and Trey Lance are anything. No. I think they're really? two totally different guys. I think Trey Lance is that typical, you know, launch it downfield, big arm, has good athleticism, while Zach Zach Wilson is just a surgeon. Yeah, he'll slice you and dice you. He, yeah, and, yeah, and, he, he will. And the pro, and to be honest with you, the BYU offense was very reminiscent of a pro offense, in my opinion, more of the modern day pro offense. Like they did a lot of sweeps, and Zach Wilson makes a lot of quick, swift decisions. Whereas Trey Lance, the first guy he looks at, is wide open thirty yards down. That's why I think for me, it's less about the measurables and attributes; it's more about just learning the overall pace and play of the NFL game and NFL concepts and an offense run with anticipation um, is number one. And then obviously reading the NFL caliber of defenses, which you didn't see in college um, are my biggest concerns. And I just think with proper grooming and learning, just simply learning on the chalkboard, just holding up a clipboard and learning game by game. I think he's, I think he'll be fine. I don't hate him by any stretch. I just think he needs work more so upstairs than, with his actual attributes because ball flies out of his hands. Absolutely. No denying that. And he can run. He's going to have to learn to go through all his progressions. Jake hit the nail right on the head that his first read was the read that he would go to. So in the NFL, he's going to definitely have to learn to, if his first read isn't there, look at his second read. If his second read isn't there, go to his third read. And if that's not there, throw guys then, open. then you, then you take, then you take off and run or you throw guys open. Correct. Because he can get outside the pocket. I think his mobility is, is oh, again, a question. It's yeah. very, very, very underrated. Well, I mean, North Dakota State definitely had pro pro concepts in their offense as well. Not uh, not to not to the same extent, obviously, it, it, as BYU. I don't think they had any pro concepts in their in their offense from based on watching it. But um, you know, when you run for about like 15 yards a clip, it, it definitely makes things a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's one of the prime examples where you're just looking at level of competition. And and I know Jake and I don't love that. I hate that hate say I, I hate it I hate saying it but in this regard it's just kind of like yeah look look at who they were they were playing it's really obvious too who was by far the better team on the field correct well I mean yeah it would have been nice to see Trey Lance in the FBS but I mean he still performed pretty well no we don't hate him 
Yeah, no. I think he needs a little bit of work. That's all. Yep. I think he's very, very raw. Very raw, but I think he's got all the tools that are needed because, I mean, I think I said that he's my number four quarterback. So I, I like him a lot. I just love me some Kellen Mond, so that's, that's where we disagree. That's, that's Jake's but, boy. But Adam, that's Jake's uh, boy. Adam, I, I definitely could see the pick, though, so I, I see the fit. I do, sure. too. I do, too. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys. Mr. Birdsall, I'm the only one that didn't get my favorite team because Jake and I share a favorite team. I think we'd agree on both picks, at least, Adam. Yes, no, I, I – yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, definitely. But uh, it's time for Bird. Bird, who are the Dallas Cowboys picking? So this pick is between two guys and two guys only. It is for Sean Slater out of Northwestern, or it is Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. If the Cowboys, and I'm not sure, I haven't checked up on any of my uh, Cowboys connects with how they feel about Caleb Farley or J.C. Horn. They were high on J.C. Horn at the beginning of the process, but I think that kind of has faded off a little bit. I don't know how they are with Farley. I know that there's, a again, the big medical red flags with his back uh, that some teams have him off of their board. Some teams haven't moved him at all. So I don't know about Dallas, but I know that they love Patrick Sertan, and that's the pick that I'm going with. Again, I, I, I said this at number four when we were talking about the Falcons. You need two number one corners to be a successful team in terms of going far and trying to push – for the NFC title game and then eventually the Super Bowl. I like what I saw last year out of Trayvon Diggs. I still think he's got a lot of room to grow, but I think you bring in someone that he's familiar with, of course, being teammates with him at Alabama in Patrick Sertan, you have two guys that can really patrol the outside. And you you brought back Jordan Lewis, if you're the Cowboys, to be your, your slot corner. I, I, I can kind of see the secondary starting to uh, to take shape, and I think the Cowboys are going to be very interested in getting Dan Quinn all of the pieces that he needs to shape this defense and get them back to where they were. Uh, Jake has been very vocal about Mike Nolan and saying that he just was never an NFL-caliber defensive coordinator. I couldn't have agreed more with him. And now they have Dan Quinn, who really, I think, can be an Excellent, excellent hire for Dallas if they give him the necessary pieces that he needs to construct this defense. And while I am very tempted to take my number one tackle on the board, Rashawn Slater, I have to go with need over anything else here. And the most pressing need for the Cowboys is taking a corner. That's why I'm going with Patrick Sertan. Yeah, I mean this pick is this picks. I I don't I can't say it's a no brainer because obviously Rashawn Slater does jump off the page. Um, I think that Patrick Sertan is def, is the best corner corner on the board, and you have a situation where the Cowboys do need another corner, and it feels like they've need corners. They've needed corners for a while now, uh, ever since Terrence Newman left to join the Vikings and then retire. Well, they had Byron Jones. Yeah, they had Byron Jones, but they let him leave in free agency. They couldn't keep everybody. No, they could not keep everybody. But I think uh, I think Sertan will come in, and I think he will be uh, he'll be very very good for uh, for Dallas. But but I've heard that this is also a possible trade out for Dallas that they could just try and recoup some more assets just to try and continue to build. 
that defense. So I would not be surprised if it comes up and Dallas decides to trade out. Wouldn't shock me one bit because maybe they think, let's say, let's say the let's That's trading say, up for Slater. Hey, now a lot of draft ooh. picks to trade. They have the ammo. <laughs> oh well, my let's goodness! Say, let's say that the Minnesota Vikings want to trade up, and let's say they love Jalen Phillips. I don't know, or they love one of the corners, or they love Greg Rousseau. Doesn't matter. Does Dallas maybe say, okay, we'll take that extra third round pick to trade back and settle with one of the corners? Because odds are they stick they can still trade back to 14 and still get one of the three corners, one of Sertan, Horn, or Caleb Farley. So something that has to be at least thought about. I think Sertan's a great fit in that defense. I do too. Yeah, I, think, I do too. I think you have to take him. I, I I do as well. I think Sertan just being there, I think that should that that Dallas should be running running that pick up to the board. No no doubt about it. Well, uh, you know, don't touch that dial. Rashawn Slater is coming to a draft board near you. I'd be sick if this happens. I'd be so sick. I believe it's me, right? Yes, I I spoiled your pick again, Jake. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, so if I'm the Giants, um, this is another possible trade back too, I might add. But um, yeah, I think they have needs at pass rusher, and I think they want to give Daniel Jones every shot in the world. Three big receivers really off the board. You have no problem settling, quote-unquote, for Rashawn Slater. I think uh, you know you could play him at guard in the short term and have Nate Solder play left tackle, even though I don't think that's necessary. I think Andrew Thomas is fine where he is at right tackle. Even there, he struggled – a good amount last year for the Giants um, it was a shame too, because he was kind of like my one a to my tackle one. I know he was birds tackle one, but I really liked him a lot coming out of the draft last year. Just, I don't know. He, he really didn't play that great for the fourth overall pick. So you have Slater as your anchor, the offensive line, whether it's Daniel Jones or you go in a different direction, you have the most pivotal position figured out and that's left tackle um, for the New York football giants. Pretty Simple pick for me, I might add. Yeah, I I think you know if they if they were to take Slater, they can then move Andrew Thomas to right tackle, and I think that benefits both of them. Yeah, Thomas played a lot of right tackle last year for a rookie. Yeah, so yeah, I think you keep, I think you can keep him there. Did keep he play him there, right or if you or if you want to shift him inside a guard, you you could. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't uh... I don't I don't mind the pick, and you know it's a it's a I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is one that I laugh at because I think if you were to tell the New York Giants, they're gonna New York Giants fans that they're taking a tackle again, when I think everybody in their mother wants them, or at least the Giants fans want them to take someone like Rousseau, who Jake and I are not high on at all. If you listen to the Basement Talk podcast, fantasy show Jake and I recorded on Thursday, you'll hear more about uh, Gregory Rousseau. I, I, that just screams to me like a Dave Gellin pick that he would just settle on Russo. And I mean, I would love that because I'm not the biggest Russo guy. I know Jake is not either, but with Slater, that it's a pick that makes sense. But I think it's one of the giants fans would just be like, Oh fuck. We took another tackle. No, I think a lot of them, like him, but and yeah, I, I can see it. I guess suddenly happy with their pick when he, when he turns out to be really good. Giants fans are just 
absolutely irrational. Jets yeah. fans make a ton of sense. I identify with you Jets fans. Giants fans, they make absolutely no sense with anything. Yeah, well, I don't think the Giants are going to trade back because I don't know if you saw what Dave Gettleman said um, in his media in his pre-draft oh, media God, availability it, yeah. where he was like, I've never traded back in my career. You think I'm going to get fleeced in a trade? I'm not getting fleeced in a trade. I'm not going to trade back unless I have to. What what's the definition of having to trade back? Well, I, I really I'm, want to know. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but basically one of the main things he said was like, I'm not going to get fleeced in a trade just to trade back. No, right, right. But my my question is like, if you're if you're Dave Gettleman, what is the definition? Like, what what would you have to do to trade back? Like, who's not there? You're picking at eleven. There is a quality player there that the Giants could absolutely go and get. Rashawn Slater will probably be there. A Jalen Phillips could, but will probably be there as well. I mean. <laughs> There are so many pieces that the Giants could add at 11, unless they're looking to recoup a ton of assets back, which I, I don't know. Dave Gettleman, he can be irrational at times. We've seen that in the past with the New York Giants general managers. Insert Jerry Reese here. So, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I would love it, love it to see Dave Gettleman trade back, but it's not going to happen. They're sticking at 11. They're taking the best player probably that they have available that fits a need. Yeah. And Rashawn Slater makes all the sense in the world because he's really good. He is very good. Okay. So the Philadelphia Eagles or NFC East run ends here for now until 19. And we, and for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they're also drafting from a position of need and they're drafting JC Horn, the corner from South Carolina, the son of Joe Horn. Complaints there. Yeah. Zero complaints. He of, they, need a, they need a corner. He have phone call after touchdown fame. But uh yeah. They they need a corner. I mean they, they need one. He he could start on the outside. He's a zone and press coverage corner. And I mean the one thing is that he doesn't really tackle all that well. That's kind of a problem, but that could be coached uh when he gets here or when he gets to the NFL. And the Eagles, they, they need a quarter. They need a corner. They're desperate. He's the, he's the best available right now. So I heard today from someone that um, I know who's pretty well connected with the Eagles that there have been some whispers there that they could look to go receiver at this spot potentially because of Nick Sirianni and his history with working with receivers known around the league as a receiving guru. So that's another avenue that I, I don't want to hear the G Eagles. word on the spot exercise. There's no, there's no one for 12th overall. Well, right. That, that's three. what I'm saying, but I'm just talking, and, you know, yeah. The big scheme for, things. for the draft, I, big picture that receiver could be in play. And I've heard, I've heard Kadarius Tony potentially in the spot. I've heard uh, from my good friend, Nick Spano of U stadium. Uh, go check it out. Great page that they've done a lot of homework on Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from mm -hmm. Alabama. Yep. And a lot of teams are a lot higher on him than maybe most in the scouting community. So, yeah, who knows what the Eagles will do? Yeah, but it's it, you have there's no middle ground from what from at least what I understand with Christian Barmore. It's either teams absolutely love him and they have him as a mid first round pick, or teams absolutely don't love him and he's like a second third round guy. There's like there's no middle ground with that. Yeah, from at least what I understand. 
Yep. But J.C. Horn, I, I love to pick out of the need, the talent that's available. It's a perfect, perfect combination for Philadelphia. So good pick. All right, you're up, number 13. I'm up? Yeah, Christian Dara. I mean, oh, uh, sorry. Wow, yeah, wow. You're, holy you're crap. Up. I, I feel like I was just up like five minutes ago. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you do every three. The, well, thank, thank you, Adam. I, re- I really, really appreciate that. You do, you do three. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with Christian Darasaw for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it makes a lot of sense in the world. I think you just insert every reason that the Cincinnati Bengals should be looking to draft Penny Sewell, and you insert that for Christian Darasaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Uh, I think one of the uh, primary areas that the Chargers have to go and try and focus on is just continuing to improve their offensive line to keep Justin Herbert upright and just absolutely unbelievable rookie season last year for, for Justin Herbert. And if you want to keep him going and keep him at the trajectory that he is, uh, that he's looking like he's going to, which is being one of the uh, really, really, really good quarterbacks in this league, you got to keep him upright. You got to keep him healthy, got to keep him on the field. And I think with someone like Christian Darasaw, that goes a long way in trying to uh, to do that. I have heard from some people that the Chargers, if Kyle Pitts starts to fall a little bit, that the Chargers could potentially look to trade up to try and get Kyle Pitts. I have heard that, but I just don't know what their range would be. I doubt they would trade into the top six to try and do it. My only question is, will Pitts get to that 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 seven to ten range for the Chargers to potentially want to pull the trigger. I think I think the Chargers potentially trading up to like a Dallas spot if Pitts is there makes a ton of sense. I just get really nervous when I hear Kyle Pitts and Dallas in the same sentence. Fair enough. I mean if if Kyle Pitts falls past Miami, then I think the Chargers are going to be like, let's do it. I don't think he, he's going to be here for a while. I don't think he's going to be here for long. Oh shot. Yeah. I yeah, I, I mean Pitts is probably gonna be in in the top five unless teams just get just totally scared off of it. But I mean I'm just looking at these picks here for a seven to ten. Maybe if there's two receivers that are there, maybe Detroit would want to trade down. I don't Carolina think so. has been taking calls. Carolina is is, is at, that looks like Pitts, the spot. This is a top to five me. pick, man. Top I think six so. Pick. He's not getting past Miami. No yeah, I th- I think so as well. I think so as well. So, but if if he does, I think eight makes a ton of sense, and it depends on what quarterbacks are there at nine for for Denver. If they were to go in that direction, I think if if there's not a quarterback that Denver likes and Pitts is still around then there could be a bidding war in that, that eight to nine range for, uh, for teams that look to try it up for pets. Yeah, I could see that. All right, Jake, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, this one was an easy one for me. Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach. The Vikings need an edge rusher, especially now with Daniel Hunter just in limbo with the franchise. I go with my best available edge, Jalen Phillips. Fits like a glove, hands down. No complaints for me. No complaints to me either. He's my number one edge rusher in this draft. And again, that's like another one that's not close. And Jake and I had talked about this on the uh, on the podcast on Thursday. Now, this is probably one of the the deepest edge rushing classes that we've had in a while, where you have 
the top four guys, the consensus at least that you know that you could basically interchange to be the number one in this class. And I don't think anybody would really uh, budge about that. Um, with Jalen Phillips, <laughs> with Jalen Phillips, the only the only thing is, and Jake and I talked about this as well, is that there's some teams that are a bit concerned with the concussion history that Jalen Phillips has. Of course, having retired once before. So that is an area of concern, and his desire to uh, to be on the field has been called into question. So, but you just put you just take all that and you just put the football player together. I mean, holy shit, this dude is just, he's a freak. He's a freak. So I mean, I, I'd love to pick for for Minnesota. I mean, if you can if you could somehow get Daniel Hunter back into the building, and you have Daniel Hunter with Jalen Phillips. I mean, I doubt that happens, but you could fantasize a little bit, I guess. It would be pretty scary. Um, I like that pick too. So let's move on to our final pick of this first part. And uh, by default, I think for me anyway, New England. Yay. New England picks Mac Jones at 15. I think Bill Belichick would actually do backflips. I think, yeah, I think. Uh, Nike would be getting a lot of pets. <laughs> that were, that were That's case. what we need this year. If, I, I really if, don't need that in the AFC East, but if if I don't see Nike on my television this year for the draft, I I, I want a refund. I want to probably for vomit my time. if Bill Belichick takes Mac Jones. But I mean, that's who. If Mac Jones is here, then he's picking Mac Jones. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, do we do we think that? Let's let's just say that this is say this is Lance. Do we think that Belichick would take Lance here? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he would as well. I, he needs a, he he wants a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's a prime spot for someone that's raw like like Lance to sit behind Newton for for at least the first half of the year. And yeah, then you, you then you give him an opportunity. Yeah, you spend all that money in free agency, you have a plan at quarterback. It's not just so Cam Newton has enough weapons Correct. or players around him. It's it's for the grand scheme of things. So right. Lance it's, Jones. It's for the long term. They apparently really like Justin Fields, so just to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I, I mean that's another thing. Like if if uh Justin Fields falls um all the way to here, you still think that Belichick would take Yeah. Somebody will yeah. trade up for Fields if he starts falling though. Pretty confident in saying that. Yep, I agree with that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that for a fact that if if Fields is in that that NFC East gauntlet range, that ten to twelve sort of spot, that at least those three NFC East teams will definitely be getting calls about potentially team trading up for uh, for Fields. It is definitely prime trade ups trade up uh, spot possibilities, but maybe that's where Dave Gettleman would want to trade down. For the first time drive, ever. I would drive Justin Fields if I was him, if he was there, but I know they won't do it. No, they won't. I, do I'm it. not a big Daniel Jones guy. Uh, no, I, I was, but they love Daniel Jones so much that not me. Yeah. I never they, was. No, the, the Giants fans just want someone who is the literal exact carbon copy of Eli Manning to be their quarterback for the next 175 years. They, they, they will never, ever, ever get past Eli Manning being their quarterback. They just need someone that is the exact spitting image of Eli Manning to be their quarterback. So they can 
maybe trick themselves into thinking, oh, wait, is that Eli Manning out there? Is so that Eli can... Manning sprinting down the field almost for an 80-yard touchdown? What? So he can dumb luck the Giants to another Super Bowl? Correct. Yep. Correct. But Daniel Jones won't even sniff that, so we don't need to, we don't need to worry about that. All right. Well, thank you for listening to part one of our NFL mock draft. Thanks again, Jake, for coming on. And uh, this is always, it's always been fun having you on these shows and doing these mock drafts. Well, thank you, Adam. I I appreciate the high praise. Yeah. And uh, so you, thank you for listening to this episode of the basement talk podcast, fantasy show. You can find all episodes of not only the fantasy show, but everything on the basement talk podcast umbrella on Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. So for my co-host Ed Birdsall and for Jake Simone of the Basement Dark Podcast and the Jetsway Podcast, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Dark Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.